Welcome to the Bob Harden Show, bringing you news and commentary to keep you informed and enjoying life on the Paradise Coast. And now, here's your host, Bob Harden. Good morning. Thanks so much for joining us here on the show. It's brought to you in part by the good folks at Johnson's Air Conditioning. Johnson's Air Conditioning is Naples' longest established air conditioning company. You can find out more. Give them a call. The uh, website is johnsonsairconditioning.com. Also brought to you by Life in Naples magazine. Be in the know and stay up to date by reading Life in Naples. The website is lifeinnaples.net. We've got a terrific show lined up for you today, including special guest Keith Flaw, co-founder of the Florida Citizens Alliance. Michael Cannon is the director of health policy studies at the Cato Institute. And Seton Motley, the founder and president of Less Government, will be joining us as well. It is July the 21st, and on this day in 1925, school teacher John T. Scopes was convicted of violating Tennessee's law against teaching evolution in public schools. The case debated in the so-called trial of the century was never really in doubt. The jury only conferred for a few moments in the hallway before returning to the courtroom with a guilty verdict. Nevertheless, the supporters of evolution won the public relations battle that was really at stake. Despite popular perceptions of the case, fueled in part by the Broadway play and movie Inherit the Wind, the Scopes trial was never really more than a show trial. On May the 4th, 1925, the American Civil Liberties Union published a newspaper advertisement offering to help any Tennessee school teacher challenge the new law that had been outlawed the teaching of evolution. George W. Rappelier, a New Yorker who had been moved to Dayton, Tennessee, read the ad and persuaded the local townspeople that Dayton should host a trial in order to spark the interest in town. The uh, leaders of the less than 2,000 residents of Dayton quickly came around to Rappelier's idea. The school superintendent agreed with the law but agreed to gain publicity for the town. Even Dayton's prosecutors were in on the deal. The last piece of the puzzle was to find a defendant. 24-year-old John T. Scopes, a local high school science teacher and football coach, agreed to fill the role since he wasn't planning on staying in Dayton for long term anyhow. No one was really concerned about whether this was actually taught in evolution in schools to the students. The fact that he had been using the state-approved science tech textbook, which included a chapter on evolution, was deemed sufficient. A warrant was made for Scope's arrest, and word went out that the trial would begin in the summer. Although the rest of Tennessee was displeased with Dayton's plan, 500 seats were added to the town's courtroom for press and spectators, and loudspeakers were set up on the lawn outside in four auditoriums around the town. This proved necessary when the nation's leading figures in the evolution debate hijacked the case from the local attorneys. William Jennings Bryan, the cross of gold, remember him? A former congressman who had three times run for president before serving as Secretary of State for Woodrow Wilson, took over the prosecution. Bryan had personally initiated the campaign against evolution in the United States, the Tennessee's law that was his first major success. Knowing that it would be a perfect forum to debate Bryan on the evolution and creation issue, the great liberal lawyer, Clarence Darrow, wormed his way into the case as a defense attorney. Uh, when the press flooded into Dayton for the uh, showdown between the two larger-than-life figures, a Chicago radio station broadcast the trial live, a first in America. The trial opened on J July the 10th with magnificent speeches from both Brian and, uh, and Darrow. However, it soon became evident that the trial judge was not going to play along. He cut off every attempt by Darrow to debate the validity of evolution, the trial would have completely uneventful except for a creative gambit by Darrow. He called Brian as a witness. 
<laughs> After the judge would never have allowed the prosecutor to be called as a defense witness, Brian did dare to back down. Dare didn't dare to back down to the challenge. In a famous exchange, Darrow questioned Brian on the literal interpretation of the Bible's account of the beginning of the world. With masterful questioning, Darrow forced Brian to admit that a purely literal interpretation was not possible, making him look very foolish. Darrow's performance didn't save Scopes from conviction and a $100 fine. It was later overturned on a technicality. But in the mainstream press, the theory of evolution clearly won the debate. In Dayton, Ohio, all put on. Why? Well, to bring publicity to the town of Dayton with only 200 residents. Well, the killer of a retired St. Louis police captain, David Dorn, has been convicted of first-degree murder Wednesday, ending more than two years of legal proceedings from the June 2nd death in 2020 during uh, George Floyd lootings. A jury found Stephen Cannon guilty of first-degree murder, first-degree robbery, first-degree burglary, and three counts of armed criminal action. He sentenced is set for uh, September the 13th. Dorn, who was 77, was responded to a burglar alarm at a friend's business, was shot and killed by Cannon, who broke into the store with other looters during the Black Lives Matter and Antifa riots just days after George Floyd's death. Widow Ann Dorn, who delivered a speech during the former 2020 Republican National Convention, attended the trial and praised the prosecution for delivering justice. I'm so glad to see this, and uh, somebody has been held accountable. Uh, sometimes uh, the laws of justice grind slowly, but they grind fine, and it's great to see. You know, clearly, Cannon deserved his day in court, and I suppose that's why it took two years. But uh, that gap of two years you know, just makes you think, how can somebody get away with something this atrocious? Dorn was obviously a very good man, and his intentions were pure in terms of trying to help a neighbor. <clears throat> Well, single parents along with foster and adoptive families are among the nearly 59,000 families in Florida who receive a one-time check courtesy of Governor Ron DeSantis and the taxpayers. The $450 checks, which went into distribution this month, are part of a plan to set off, offset the burden of inflation through a program called Hope Florida, a pathway to prosperity. First Lady uh, Casey DeSantis pioneered the program and touted the benefits in a recent visit to Tampa. Eligible Floridians can spend the money on anything, including diapers and gas, says a letter attached to the checks, to, it, to offset the cost of the rising inflation, especially with the new school year approaching. The state of Florida is giving you $450 for each child in your care, uh, reads the portion of the letter. Among other consumer relief benefits, DeSantis reminded Floridians on the uh, ongoing back-to-school sales tax holiday. School supplies, including clothes and computers, remain tax-free through August the 7th. DeSantis and lawmakers also approved a plan to eliminate the state's 25, $0.26.5 cent per gallon gas tax this October. The budget writer said that uh, October was chosen because Florida has fewer tourists then, and the break can be targeted more towards state motorists. So, uh, again, uh, helping families in need, and uh, I really appreciate the fact that he's focusing on foster and single parents. Again, a regressive taxes inflation, and that helped, helps to offset the cost. Well, the DeSantis administration said cruise lines should end the ridiculous policy of requiring proof of COVID-19 vaccinations. The administration was asked about the Centers for Disease Control and Prevention announcing Monday that it stopped a program to monitor cases on cruise ships. Governor DeSantis started fighting vaccine mandates and passports more than a year ago. 
It's become clear from the beginning that COVID vaccines don't stop the transmissions of the virus. The cruise line should end this ridiculous and discriminatory policy, Governor DeSantis' press secretary, secretary said. And I couldn't agree more. Linda and I actually canceled our uh, cruise, which we really enjoyed. We did it five straight years. We canceled it this past year because uh, they had a requirement for masks and uh COVID uh, vaccines and all this stuff. And uh, again, uh, it's just good science that uh, jo- Joseph Lopato, our uh, Surgeon General, and the, and the governor are standing behind real science as opposed to the CDC's fudging science and this voodoo health care that they have. Uh, thank you, Governor DeSantis. Hopefully you'll be able to go on the cruise again. Well, this week we've got more astounding numbers showing inflation continuing to surge out of control. But beyond these big-figure headlines, we're also gaining more insight to what the economic carnage actually means for everyday people, with consumer prices rising 9.1% from June 21, 2021 to 2022. Inflation is now the highest level since 1981. Thanks to inflation, workers' real wages or wages accounting for inflation are actually in decline, falling significantly over last year. Now, how's that for Build Back Better? It's not that good. News analysis from the Heritage Foundation's E.J. Atoni put these figures in tangible, everyday terms. He reported that the average worker has lost $3,400 in annual income due to inflation since President Joe Biden took office, while the average household has two working parents has lost $6,800. There are plenty of families that could that's more than their food budget a year, Antoni said, uh, in an interview, I can't emphasize enough how much this really is crushing consumers. The expert added that the costs of inflation have now added up to far more in losses for workers or households than they received in total, total stimulus checks. And Tony's special data uh, bring the real uh, consequences of inflation in focus. In effect, inflation is the stealth tax on the public, a way the government confiscates and redistributes resources without formally raising taxes. This lets politicians escape the political backlash that comes with raising people's taxes if people aren't wise to what's going on. But we should be holding our elected officials accountable for the suffering because inflation is rooted in policy choices. The federal government decided to print trillions of dollars out of thin air and to stimulate the economy during COVID-19. But what it really did was make the dollars in existence less valuable, What's more, it ran up trillions in budget deficits and flooded the system with wasteful stimulus spending that uh, failed to produce the promised jobs but did successfully stimulate inflation. This isn't all at Biden's fault. It's it to be fair. Many other government officials are responsible. But Biden did come into office and ignoring warnings from Democrat-aligned economists uh, poured more fuel on the fire by adding trillions of wasteful spending as one of his first acts in Congress. What's more, the president has uh, made specific essentials such as gasoline more expensive through anti-market policies and onerous regulations. And you know what? He's not done. He's still trying to push through some legislation that will uh, put another $500, million in, $500 billion in circulation. Workers whose paychecks have been effectively eroded by thousands are paying the price. Thank you, uh, President Biden. Well, President Joe Biden indicated that he has cancer during an alarming speech delivered on Wednesday to promote clean energy. The president spoke at a site of a shuttered coal plant in Massachusetts, vowing that one day it could be the site of clean energy programs fueled by windmills off the East Coast. 
This was unbelievable. He went there with his car cavalcade. There were about 50 chairs set up for people to observe uh, his speech. And <laughs> people were giving him the thing and, uh, finger and uh, shouting, uh, uh, go Brandon, let's go Brandon. Anyhow, uh, he's not well appreciated, even in Massachusetts. During his remarks during the dangers of pollution, he recalled how he grew up in Claremont, Delaware, not far from a host of oil refineries across the state line in Pennsylvania. He recalled how the first frost, residents of Claymont had to turn the windshield wipers on to get the oil slick off their windshields of the cars because of pollution. That's why I'm so damn. Many other people I grew up with have cancer, Biden continued, and why for the longest time Delaware had the highest cancer rate in the nation. You think that's true? I have my doubts. It's also unclear uh, what Biden was referring to. He has repeatedly tried to sympathize with cancer patients, recalling that his son Bo died of cancer. The president has also been monitored for skin cancer after several non-melanoma skin cancers were removed, according to a recent medical physical, but he has no history of serious cancer. The White House did not offer an explanation for the president's remarks about uh, how he con the context for this comment. Biden repeatedly promised executive action to come to climate change, vowing to treat it as a national emergency, although he stopped short of declaring official federal emergency on the issue. Stuff he came up with, it's going to be expensive, but uh, pretty harmless, frankly. Good thing that we don't have Congress uh, cooperating with this nonsense. This segment of the show brought to you by the good folks at Johnson's Air Conditioning, Naples' longest established air conditioning company. I hope you'll visit johnsonsairconditioning.com. Also brought to you by Life in Naples magazine. Be in the know and stay up to date by reading Life in Naples. The website is lifeinnaples.net. Coming up, we're going to be visiting with Keith Law, co-founder of the Florida Citizens Alliance. That and more right here in the Bob Harden Show on the Bob Harden Broadcasting Network. Stay tuned for more of the Bob Harden Show here on the Bob Harden Broadcasting Network. I'm Bob Harden, the host of The Bob Harden Show. One of my favorites for breakfast or lunch is Lulabee's Diner, providing great service, fabulous food, and a rockin' good time. Lulabee's Diner is a throwback to the 60s, complete with great music and a fabulous 60s decor. What I like best is a blend of great food, great value, and terrific service. Most of the friendly waitstaff has been part of Lulabee's for years. I enjoy the great choices for breakfast and lunch, and you'll find the menu has everything and anything to satisfy your taste. Lulabee's offers catering, party platters, lunch boxes, and more. Lulabee's Diner will quickly become one of your favorites for breakfast or lunch. No reservations are needed. Check out the website at lulabees.com and stop by Lulabee's Diner, open from 8 a.m. until 2 p.m., seven days a week. Lulabee's Diner in the Green Tree Shopping Center at the corner of Immokalee and Airport Pulling Roads. Stop by Lulabee's Diner for fabulous food and for a forever cool rockin' good time. Collier County Sheriff Kevin Rambaugh says the number one reason the elderly become victims is isolation. The Collier Senior Center goes a long way in keeping seniors connected with the community and with each other. The Collier Senior Center, located at 4898 Coronado Parkway in Golden Gate, provides comprehensive information regarding services and resources that affect the quality of life of older adults and their caregivers in Collier County, empowering them to maintain independent and meaningful lives. 
Here's Esther Lully, director of Collier Senior Center. Everyone, every senior is welcome. There's diversity there. It's vibrant. It's a caring atmosphere. So there's a reason we offer the services and programs that we do. We want to help enrich the lives of senior members and provide support to their caregivers. Want to find out more? Visit CollierSeniorCenter.org. That's CollierSeniorCenter.org. Or call the Collier Senior Center at 239-252-4541. That's 252-4541. Welcome back to the Bob Harden Show. And now here's your host, Bob Harden. Thanks so much for joining us here on the show as we're providing you news and commentary rooted in a commitment to individual liberty, personal responsibility, limited government, and the rule of law. Coming up, we're going to visit with Michael Cannon, Director of Health Policy at the Cato Institute. Healthcare policy, I should say. Right now, we have with us Keith Flaw. He's the co-founder of a terrific organization. It's called the Florida Citizens Alliance. Keith, thank you so much for joining us. Good morning, Bob. Good morning, Keith. Tell us about the Florida Citizens Alliance. Uh, well, we're a grassroots organization. Uh, we've grown to about 200,000 supporters across the state of Florida. And we focus uh, exclusively on K-12 uh, education. Uh, and to us, that means really expanding school choice options for parents, <clears throat> excuse me, and getting rid of the uh, indoctrination and the pornography and, and uh, age-inappropriate materials in our schools. Uh, noble and uh, effort on the part of the Florida Citizens Alliance. And I must say that uh, Keith and his co-founder, Rick, uh, Pastor Rick, uh, have been just so effective in terms of having influence in, in uh, Tallahassee and uh, really affecting for the for the good uh, our public school curriculum. So, Keith, uh, any any comments and thoughts about what's happening here locally? Yeah, we have a, a number of things that I'd like to comment on. Uh, we spend an enormous amount of energy um, vetting uh, candidates at the local level. Uh, Board of County Commission, school board, uh, even the two judicial candidates. And uh, we have a separate website for voter guides, but it's called flcaction.org. But we have up on our website voter guides uh, for the local races here that are based on, uh, you know, both constitutional values and faith-based values. We team up with an organization called Christian Family Coalition, uh, to put these voter guides together. Uh, we've printed 8,000 of them that we're aggressively distributing now, and uh, we'll print more if we need to. But they're available electronically, so you can, uh, your listeners can go to our website, flcaction.org, uh, find those voter guides. Uh, there's also a, quite a bit of detail underneath those uh, where we had candidates fill out um, a, a more detailed issue-based questionnaire. Uh, so you can get lots of uh, information and our objective is not to tell you who to vote for, but to just vote informed on the issues yeah. and the principles of these candidates. Yeah, I can't tell you how many people contact me to, to ask me, well, what should I do in the election? Who's <laughs> the candidate? It's really important to be well informed about what's happening in the elections. And that's the, to my, to my knowledge, uh, the uh, voter guide that you provide is about the best resource that I can think of uh, for a local election. So go FLC Action. Did I get that right, flcaction.org? Yes, flcaction.org. Perfect. Well, again, that's that's a great uh, service to the community, Keith. So uh, I understand you have some events coming up. 
Well, you know, there's two other things that I'd like to bring to your listeners' attention before we leave the uh, school board. Um, we have a um, we're holding a press conference on the steps of the school board on uh, next Thursday, the 28th. Um, th- they have a workshop where they're starting the process to hire a, uh, a new superintendent. Uh, we strongly believe that ought to be uh, they ought to wait till after the final election mm-hmm. um, in November to to begin that process. Uh, Patton isn't retiring until next June, so there's plenty of time. But of course. Uh, the current school board, which uh, in, in every sense is uh, owned by uh, um, Superintendent Patent, uh, she's out to protect her legacy. And, of course, if that current school board uh, is there to replace her, then, you know, it's going to be more of the same. Uh, hopefully, um, they'll they'll decide, no matter who gets elected, they should wait till after the November election and let the voters uh, be represented in that decision rather than, um, you know, the historical perspective. So that's, uh, you can go to our other website, our main website, goflca.com. There's a petition right there that you can fill out online and share it with your friends, please. Uh, we're trying to get several thousand signatures uh, that we will take to the press conference and delivered to the school board on the 28th. That's a big deal. I mean, uh, right now, of course, uh, if you take a look at the Naples Daily News, you'll see all kinds of praise for Kamala Patton and what's going on in the school board, lots of letters to the editor. But the fact of the matter is the results of our public education are pretty mediocre, and uh, they certainly have a lot of room for improvement. And I think uh, a new broom sweeps clean. We we should uh, get new people in there. That would be my hope, and I'm talking about the school board, and then let them make a decision of who they want to bring in. I think they'd bring in uh, someone, perhaps, who would be uh, <laughs> less woke and somebody who's more committed to uh, a classical education. I certainly would agree with that. If you look at the you know, school board today is all about touting um, you know, what they believe to be the successes, but 40% of their kids can't read and do math at grade level. Right, uh, and they're and, and they're literally uh, they claim to not have CRT, uh, but Kamala Patton bought 400 books. Uh, we have an unpublic records request, and has been training all of her teacher, all of her principals and administrators on critical race theory. So, uh. um, it, it it's time for um, uh, for people to get involved in this election, and uh, and and hopefully their voices will give us some of that change you're mentioning. Absolutely, Keith. And hey, I understand you have an interesting event coming up this weekend. Yes, uh, we're reaching out to the Hispanic community. We have a, it's for both, uh, 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 it's for everybody, not just uh, Hispanic uh, folks. Uh, But uh, we have a significant interest on the Hispanic community's part to better understand what's going on in our schools. Uh, So we're having a a session um, uh, on uh, Saturday from 10 to 12 uh, featuring Fernando Godo, who his background was a refugee from Cuba. Um, he's getting very involved in what's, what he sees happening here in the U.S. in terms of our education system. And uh, that um, that's right on our website under the events. So anybody uh, who's interested in attending that or sharing that with their friends can go to our goflca.com website and uh, please come to that event and share it with your all of your friends. And, and where is it in what time? Uh, it's from 10 to 12 on Saturday at uh, Hyvita and, and Jesus um, 
church. Um, and, and that's at uh, uh, 13415 Collier Boulevard. So it's right here in down, downtown or in uh, central Naples. Great. So, Well, Keith, again, congratulations on all the good work that you're doing. Again, goflca.com is the website. Also, flcaction.com. Is, uh, org is the website for uh, taking a look at the voter guide. Keith, really appreciate your commentary here on the show. Thank you so much for joining us. Certainly, Bob. Have a great weekend. You as well. Thank you. All right, coming up, we're going to be visiting with Michael Cannon. He's the Director of Health Policy Studies at the Cato Institute. That and more right here in the Bob Harden Show on the Bob Harden Broadcasting Network. Stay tuned for more of the Bob Harden Show here on the Bob Harden Broadcasting Network. Do you suffer with chronic pain and discomfort? After back surgery, I had painful tendons and muscles and difficulty standing upright. On a referral, I visited Dr. Alec at I Am Designed to Heal, Naples' only vitality and longevity practice where acupuncture, Medical massage, energy healing, and integrative holistic medicine are harmonized to create a -a one-of-a-kind, restorative experience. After only two visits, my pain began to dissipate and I could stand and walk more upright. It was amazing. I plan to continue my treatments to enhance my sense of well-being. Don't suffer needlessly with discomfort and pain. Improve your quality of life. See for yourself and make an appointment by visiting the website IamDesignedToHeal.com. That's IamDesignedToHeal.com, or you can call or text Dr. Alec at 239-322-3817. That's 322-3817. Visit IamDesignedToHeal.com for an amazing, one-of-a-kind, restorative experience. Do you have questions about your retirement? Ameriprise Private Wealth Advisor Jason Nardella with Nardella Financial Group, a private wealth advisory practice of Ameriprise Financial Services, LLC, can help. With the exclusive Confident Retirement Approach, you'll work together to develop a retirement roadmap to get you where you want to go. Call Nardella Financial Group today at 239-325-1041. That's 239-325-1041. Office is located at 9015 Stratistel Court, Suite 103, Naples, Florida. The Confident Retirement Approach is not a guarantee of future financial results. Investment advisory products and services are made available through Ameriprise Financial Services, LLC, a registered investment advisor. Welcome back to the Bob Harden Show. And now here's your host, Bob Harden. Thanks so much for joining us here on the show. It's brought to you in part by Choice Social. Choice Social is a new refreshing social networking platform and you can find out more and download the app by visiting the website choicesocial.us coming up we're going to visit with seton motley the founder and president of less government right now we have with us michael cannon he's the director of health policy studies at the cato institute michael thank you so much for joining us great to be here bob thank you michael tell us about the cato institute Uh, The Cato Institute is a libertarian think tank in Washington, D.C. We've been around since 1977, and we advocate expanding individual liberty in all areas of human endeavor, which means we want want there to be a government, but we want it to be a limited government. We want it to protect individual liberty and free markets and peace. 
and let uh, free markets thrive. Uh, terrific organization. Cato.org is the website. C-A-T-O.org. Michael, I understand you came up with a pa- paper this week about uh, market consolidation in healthcare. Maybe you can tell us about it. Right. So this is a big concern in healthcare right now. Uh, when you have more competitors in a marketplace, that's better for consumers. They've got more choices. There's more price competition, so prices don't rise as rapidly. You can often see prices falling, making things more affordable. And you also get quality competition when, you, when you've got more competitors in a marketplace. But healthcare has been moving in the opposite direction. And by 2017, the majority of markets in the United States a single hospital system would have more than a 50% of the market share. Okay, that's in most markets in the United States. Wow. And the federal government says that when it comes to uh, when it comes to special specialist physicians, you've got a high degree of concentration in two thirds of metropolitan areas, and high degrees of concentration in. Um, uh, 40% of metropolitan areas for primary care physicians. So this is all very troubling because when you have that kind of concentration, you get higher prices and you get lower quality. In fact, uh, there's been research that shows that where uh, you have high concentration among cardiologists and hospital markets, you get higher mortality from heart attacks. And you get lower mortality from heart attacks where you have more comp- uh, more competitive markets. And so this is a really big concern among policymakers right now. Well, that's a big concern around uh, for citizens as well. I must say it's concerned me. I've watched what's happened here in our, on the Paradise Coast and to see uh, practices, I don't know how they're bought up or exactly what the motivation might be. What is the motivation for, for example, a medical practice to decide to join a hospital group? Well, I'm glad you asked because this gets to sort of the thesis of the paper, which is that uh, a lot of people are calling for government to do something about all of this market consolidation. But here the government is not the solution. The government is the problem. The government is the reason we have so much market consolidation. It is the reason why hospitals are buying up physician practices. Uh, and there are lots of things that the government is doing to encourage this. When it comes to the hospitals buying up physician practices, a major factor here is that when hospitals do that, they can make more money from Medicare, from the government, because the government pays hospitals more for the same services than it pays physician practices. Hmm. So if a physician practice sells, if the doc sells the practice to a hospital, they get higher Medicare payments for providing the same services because now they're a, quote, hospital. <laughs> and and the physicians in the hospital system get to split those rents, you know, it, it split those excess prices. There have been patients who have gone into the same physician office, the same building, to get the same procedure that they got the week before, but all of a sudden the price is higher. The price to the taxpayers and the price to the patient is higher just because the hospital bought up that physician practice. And it's because Medicare has these, these, these ridiculous pricing systems uh, that pays hospitals more for the same service than it pays physician practices, uh, something that a market uh, would, would never tolerate. That's so interesting. So if I understand this correctly, there is financial motivation on the part of a medical practice to join a hospital group because even after, I'm sure the hospital gets some sort of cut out of this, so even after the cut, uh, they end up making more money? 
That's right. And that's just one of the things that the government is doing to encourage this sort of price increasing, quality reducing consolidation. Any regulation the government passes, whether it's a healthcare regulation or not, is generally going to have high fixed costs, but low marginal costs of compliance. You know, you got to spend a lot of money to comply, but then uh, as your business expands, those costs don't rise and you can spread those costs over a, lo- a larger number of outputs. Well, that creates an incentive for consolidation because if you merge with your biggest competitor, that's going to reduce the regulatory compliance costs for both of you. Yeah. There are also healthcare regulations that encourage this sort of consolidation uh, uh, in the same way, but there are also healthcare specific regulations that seem designed to create, uh, to encourage consolidation. There are 30 some states that have laws on the books called certificate of need laws yeah. that say you need a permission slip from the government if you want to enter a market or expand your presence in a market. And and if you need the government's permission to enter a market, well, the first thing is that uh, the, your, your competitors are going to lobby against you getting that permission slip. And that's going to prevent a lot of people from entering the market and prevent the market from being more competitive. You're going to get more consolidation and less competition as a result of those laws. That is so interesting. And then, Go ahead, Michael. I'm sorry. And then I'll just throw out one last category of things the government does. When the government takes control of the healthcare spending away from the consumer, that also fuels this sort of consolidation. Sure. Because if insurance companies and the government are paying for more of our medical care, they're not very good price negotiators. Uh, and the, the more hospitals or other healthcare providers merge and accumulate more market power, the higher the prices they're going to get out of insurance companies. And consumers are going to go along. Because if they're not the ones spending the money, if, it's, if they're not the ones seeing the savings from price shopping, they're not going to price shop and the rewards to consolidation are going to be greater. There's so many things the government is doing to encourage consolidation uh, and uh, that, that all we need to do to combat consolidation is get the government to stop doing this. Yeah, you know, I'll share one other concern, too, is that uh, when there is uh, perhaps undue influence on the decision-making of the doctors. In other words, you go to the doctor, do no harm. The doctor is supposed to be solely focused on the patient. But I would imagine that these are large organizations have influence. And I'll give you an example. I would imagine that during this uh, 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 va- pandemic that certain messages were shared with doctors uh, in order of what type of care should be provided or what kind of messages should be provided to patients. It's very concerning. I mean, I, I you, you worry about... Uh, you know, and, and money is involved in that as well. There, that's true. That is happening, and that's a valid concern. There are arguments for that doctors getting those sort of messages or guidelines from from people who are looking at the data and saying, "Hey, you might want to change your practice to do a practice medicine in this way or that," because the evidence is showing that that doesn't work and this does. And, and we should be able to have a competitive marketplace where doctors following different guidelines are competing with each other to see who can provide the best patient care. Yeah, exactly. The problem with market consolidation is, uh, one of the problems is you don't get that sort of competition. Yeah. And uh, it, I think we've discussed this before, but it even happens in insurance markets. Uh, and in Florida, you've got two insurance companies 
that control 92% of Florida's individual health insurance market. Two companies controlling 92%. Wow. And the, the, the big culprit there, again, is regulation. There are regulations that prohibit Florida residents from, from buying insurance products that are available in other states or U.S. territories. We've talked about this before. If the state of Florida would just let its residents purchase insurance products available in U.S. territories, not only would that inject more competition into the market, but Florida residents could avoid all of Obamacare's unwanted regulatory costs and high premiums and low quality coverage because coverage in the territories is exempt from Obamacare. Michael, I so much appreciate these comments. I mean, the the, the uh, derivation of my comment was around the fact that uh, I believe the CDC has not provided us good guidance with regard to our health care in terms of public health, at least in the in the last couple of years. So, um, but this is uh, so helpful, and uh, you know, it just more proof that getting the government involved in healthcare or any other kind of uh, industry or, or business profession is not helpful. I really appreciate your comments. Again, cato.org is the website, cato.org. Michael, thank you so much for joining us. Anytime. Thank Take you, care. Michael. All right, coming up, we're going to visit with Seton Motley, the founder and president of Less Government, that and more right here on the Bob Harden Show on the Bob Harden Broadcasting Network. Here on the Bob Hartman Broadcasting Network. Do you suffer from joint pain in your shoulders, hips, or knees? I was suffering from debilitating pain in my knees. On a referral, I saw Dr. George Markovich with the Institute for Orthopedic Surgery and Sports Medicine. He successfully treated my symptoms and pain for several months. Finally, having exhausted all alternatives for pain management, Dr. Markovich and I agreed that surgery was my best alternative. Dr. Markovich replaced both of my knees in 2006, and I now have full range of motion in both knees, and I have no pain. I now play golf and exercise free of debilitating pain in my knees. Don't suffer needlessly with joint pain. Call orthopedic surgeon Dr. George Markovich with the Institute for Orthopedic Surgery and Sports Medicine at 482-5399. That's 482-5399. He did a great job for me, and he'll help you too. School Choice is a growing movement, one that is already lifting thousands of kids across America and is now supported by three out of four voters. The Optima Foundation, a 501c3 nonprofit, was founded to support the establishment and expansion of superior schools of choice. Optima's goal is the successful launch of Hillsdale College, classical academies, and other schools of excellence, serving kindergarten through 12th grade. The mission is to train the minds and improve the hearts of young people through content-rich classical education in the liberal arts and sciences with instruction in the principles of moral character and civic virtue. A terrific product of the process, Naples Classical Academy opened this fall in a classical virtual school. Optima Classical Academy will open in 2022. Find out more by visiting OptimaEd.org. Help children in Florida optimize their education opportunities. Visit www.OptimaEd.org. Welcome back to the Bob Harden Show. And now here's your host, Bob Harden. 
Thanks so much for joining us here on the show. It's brought to you in part by Gulf Shore Playhouse, building a 44,000-square-foot performing arts center in downtown Naples. It's going to be spectacular, but also bringing you professional New York-style theater at its very best. And you can get tickets now and find out more. Visit the website, gulfshoreplayhouse.org. We have with us Seaton Motley, the founder and president of Less Government. Seaton, thank you so much for joining us. Good morning, sir. Good morning, Seaton. Tell us about Less Government. Yeah, the existing business high scope and sphere of influence of government, and <laughs> there's a diminishing amount of us. Well, it's a big market. <laughs> it's a wide-open market, Seton. So uh, you wrote a piece, which I found so surprising and interesting. My email exchange with a big tech company's censorship department. Maybe you could tell us about it. Yeah, about a year and a half ago, I don't specifically remember when, of all places, LinkedIn the website LinkedIn permanently banned me from their from their platform. And at the time, they wrote very amorphous things. You violated our terms of service. They sent me a link to their terms of service and said, justify your continued existence based upon the <laughs> terms of service. And I said, if you aren't going to tell me how I violated your terms of service, I, you know, I can't guess how, you know, it, it's, it's, it's impossible. I can't do it. So I said, look, it's your platform. If you're going to ban me, if you want to maintain my ban, you will. If you don't, you won't. And they maintained the ban. Um, shockingly, that, support, that response didn't help me. Yeah. So I was gone for about a year, a little, a little over a year, about two months ago. I, I attended remotely a meeting in D.C. at which someone spoke from LinkedIn spoke. And I forget his full title. You've got it in front of you. Escalations manager is two of the four words in his title. Mm-hmm. And what he does is he, if you have problems, if LinkedIn has problems with you, he handles the responses. And he gave out his email address at the meeting so i wrote it down and emailed them and said look i got banned and i don't really understand why um, can you help me figure out why so he said yeah guys it'll take, it'll take us a while to review your account so it took about two weeks and then he responded and i just printed or typed or recreated large swaths of the email exchange he said I was I was in violate I was in multiple violations of their uh, misleading information standard. They didn't want they didn't they, they banned me because I I'd been posting misleading information. To which I responded, "Well, misleading information is in the eye of the beholder. Mm-hmm. Uh, very often we find today's misleading information is tomorrow's stone cold fact." Absolutely. And I said as a prime example with the Hunter Biden laptop, which was, as a story, was completely shut down as misleading information during the run-up to the 2020 election, and now we know is completely, 100% true. All of it is completely true. Right. And I said, would you please, you know, I said, more often than not, I find this to be a, you're posting political stuff we don't like standard. And that seems to be the case here. Mm-hmm. And he wrote back, oh, absolutely. Now, we're very <laughs> far away from a you're posting political stuff we don't like, Standard. Uh, you, you posted misleading information, and we apply our 
misleading information standard equally across the board. And I wrote back, I said, okay, can you give me three or four examples of misleading information that I gave? And he gave me, he said, there were three. Here they are. One was, two of them, the first two were comments on someone else's post with links. And my comments were like three or four words. I mean, they were, it was just me linking to articles. The first, I, I said, um, I said, leftists attacked the Capitol on January 6th. And then linked to an article of a Black Lives Matter activist being arrested, his mugshot, his arrest situation for attacking the Capitol on January 6th. Yeah. So, I mean, that's verifiably true. The second one was an article, I linked to an article, I wrote was OK Genius, and I sent an article with the headline was something like, Biden got less votes than Hillary Clinton in every major city except four in swing states. And that's publicly available information. We know what the vote totals were. Mm-hmm. And that's verifiably true. And then the third one, I all I said was, if I could bet on politics, like you can bet on sports, I'd be in Bali by now. Yeah. And then I, 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 I you know, all I'm saying was I could predict politics pretty easily. And then I put a bunch of hashtags and I put fake news COVID. Now, I didn't say what was fake news about COVID. And as we know, there's been a lot of fake news about COVID. Absolutely. And so I didn't define what I was saying about COVID was fake news. So, and there's certainly been fake news about COVID. So that's true, too. And it's certainly too amorphous a, a, a post to have any kind of, you know, misleading information standard applied to it. It's just too broad. It's impossible. So those were the three comments that got me banned. And I said, okay, all those are true. Would you explain to me how the, any of them, all of them, are misleading information? He wrote back, well, we don't share our <laughs> review pro- and our internal review process with the public. That's, a, that's an internal review process. We keep it internal. So I wrote back, I said, so you won't define what misleading information is. You won't, dis- you won't de- describe how you arrive at determin- making misleading information determinations, which means your standard is completely arbitrary and capricious, which makes it look an awful lot like a you're posting political stuff we don't like standard. Right. Uh, you know, I mean, come on. And he wrote back, well, we apply our, our pol- misleading information policy evenly across the board. We... Obviously, you're not happy with our answer, but we feel like we've thoroughly answered your questions and we're done responding. And my my point of posing all this, besides the obvious, which is quite obviously this is a hatchet job and it's indicative of all the hatchet jobs that are happening probably in all the big tech companies. But what I was saying was, and Bill, Bill Barr, uh, Trump's attorney general, made this point too which is not only was section 230 alleged allegedly going to foster free speech online and it's quite the opposite the big tech companies had used it and weaponized it to silence free speech online and i'm asking why do they continue with when we have this clear-cut 
verbatim exchange of their alleged description of what, how they make the determinations they do. Yeah. Why do they continue to get this giant crony gift from the government in the name of fostering free speech? You know, see, I think it's just, I'm so proud of you and happy for what you've done. And my wife, Linda, has been kicked off of uh, Facebook. Uh, and uh, I think it's a badge of honor, quite frankly. But the real answer they should have given you is, look, you have to understand that these facts checkers are, it's an entry-level jo uh, job, and they read the uh, left-leaning left press, the mainstream media, so you have to understand that uh, they're, they're, they have bias that they don't even, they're not even aware of. So well, that's, that's, well, I... I mean, if you click on the first link and there's a mugshot of the Black Lives Matter activist, I mean, that's, you know, I mean, it's very difficult to say, maintain a misleading information charge. Right. When that's the case. I mean, that's quite obvious. The second one about Biden getting less votes than Hillary Clinton. Yeah, I mean. That's easily a... verifiable information. Absolutely. And, and it didn't matter. So, again, I. I find it difficult to, to, you know, quite often I find myself saying that person is either lying or stupid or uh, both. Or both. Well, it could so, be an entry level but, job. <laughs> it but, but, but it's, but, but more often than not, it's, there's definitely dishonesty because there's no way any of those posts could be genuinely by a, by a non jaundiced eye determined to be misleading information. No, no question. Seton Motley, again, the founder and president of Less Government. I encourage you to visit lessgovernment.org. You can also visit Less Government on Facebook. Seton, always appreciate your so well-informed commentary. Thank you so much for joining us. Thank you very much, sir. My pleasure, indeed. All right, uh, my wife Linda just walked in the room. It's exciting to see her. I'm sure she's got some interesting stuff to share with us. We're going to do that and more right here in the Bob Harden Show on the Bob Harden Broadcasting Network. Stay tuned for more of the Bob Harton Show here on the Bob Harton Broadcasting Network. Do you have questions about your retirement? Ameriprise Private Wealth Advisor Jason Nardella with Nardella Financial Group, a private wealth advisory practice of Ameriprise Financial Services, LLC, can help. With the exclusive Confident Retirement Approach, You'll work together to develop a retirement roadmap to get you where you want to go. Call Nardella Financial Group today at 239-325-1041. That's 239-325-1041. Office is located at 9015 Stratistel Court, Suite 103, Naples, Florida. The Confident Retirement Approach is not a guarantee of future financial results. Investment advisory products and services are made available through Ameriprise Financial Services, LLC, a registered investment advisor. Blue Provence Restaurant is a favorite dining destination for many Neapolitans, including Linda and myself. Blue Provence, located in a historic building in the heart of Old Naples at Creighton Cove, offers a mix of French bistro cooking with bold, fresh Floridian flavors. Experience award-winning cuisine at Blue Provence and enjoy one of Florida's most extensive, eclectic, and fun wine cellars. Dining your choice are the popular Eden Bar, the intimate Courtyard Garden, or the beautiful Provencal Caribbean Dining Room. Enjoy a wonderful and memorable evening in a casual and relaxed atmosphere 
that includes a taste of Provencal hospitality. Blue Provence is open seven days a week, all year round. Visit BlueProvenceNaples.com for reservations, everyday specials, and coming events. That's BlueProvenceNaples.com or call 261-8239. That's 261-8239. Blue Provence French Restaurant in the heart of Old Naples. Welcome back to the Bob Harden Show. And now here's your host, Bob Harden. Thanks so much for joining us here on the show. It's brought to you in part by the Foundation for Government Accountability. I proudly serve on the board, among other things, creating policies and programs to get able-bodied folks off of welfare and back to work. It's a moral imperative, and you can find out more by visiting the website, thefga.org. We have with us Linda Harden. She walked into the room. I'm so pleased that she did. Linda, thank you so much for joining us. Good morning. And you know what? Um, one of the things I wanted to mention and, and highlight was what we did yesterday. And that was we took our ballots down to the, um, to the Collier County elections place. And, and the changes that has taken place since the la- last election were remarkable. Yeah, but, you know, I hope you, I'm happy you brought that up. It was such an interesting event. Uh, you thankfully uh, went in and uh, there's no drop box there anymore. We went to the supervisor of elections uh, location. On Enterprise Avenue for anyone in Naples who needs to know. Uh, yeah. It's off of airport. Um, just before you get to the, uh, the Naples airport, uh, it's a left-hand turn off of airport enterprise and, and enterprise and it's like three quarters of a mile down the street and well, the last time we went in the last election there was a drop box out in front easy easy peasy um just drop it in from your car whatever and that drop box is no longer there yeah i mean that's part of the uh, new law that they put in place to en- enhance the integrity of elections in florida which quite frankly they they were superb previously i think in my opinion but nevertheless it's always great to do whatever you can to make uh, everybody's vote count that should be voting and everybody's vote that shouldn't be voting should uh, doesn't count so what was interesting while you were out waiting in the car i went in and and you have to go in <clears throat> the main door and then you have to go in another door, and to the left, there is like a metal box attached to the wall just about, um, like, a, like a regular me- metal mailbox, only it's bigger. Yeah. And the gal said, do you want to drop off your ballot? And I said, well, where's the drop box? It's right there. And I said, well, the last time it was outside, she says, nope, 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 we don't do that anymore. Yeah, so interesting. Well, th- uh, good. Good. Thanks for sharing that because people need to be mindful of the changes that are happening. And again, check out uh, how, you know, uh, we found out that uh, we're registered to vote through December 31st of this year, which uh, takes care of the uh, midterm elections. That's good. But uh, stay stay tuned with changes. They're important and they, they could affect your ability to vote. And oh, by the way, the other thing is um, we talked about it after I dropped it off that <clears throat> we heard an ad on the radio about tracking your ballot. And so I'm going to do that today and see how it goes, see if my ballot's been tracked, that it was received. Because I think, you know what? Can't be too careful these days. No, you can't. I mean, uh, quite frankly, the reason we put it, drove down there is I have a certain suspicion about the mail. So uh, I'm sure I'm not alone in that. Well, because I I don't want to disparage the United States mail carriers. No. However. Yeah. (laughs) <laughs> Let me just leave it there. However, uh, yeah, dot, dot, dot. Exactly. So uh, yeah, we uh, have both uh, watched 
parts of uh, Biden's speech yesterday and uh, the cavalcade driving up to Massachusetts in a dust bowl. In a dust bowl after he after he takes a, after he's touting this climate change crap where one percent of the human beings in this country care about everybody else is like you know stop with the the gas and all the um, other inflationary items and and he's up there in a dust bowl talking about um uh, climate emergency it's just it's so hypocritical now, here's the guy that got 81 million votes from the american public and uh 30 to 50 people showed up in order to hear his speech the cavalcade and the supporting crew was larger than the people that showed up to and, hear the speech and oh by the way with his motorcade, there were very few people lining the streets, and those who were were giving him the finger <laughs> and saying, "Let's in go, Brandon." In Massachusetts, pretty, pretty, pretty spectacular indeed. Well, and then he, uh, to top it all off, uh, as a surprise, I'm sure to his entire staff, he said that he had cancer, and it was caused by. Uh, Climate change by oil slick on his windshield yeah. in Delaware. In Delaware, when he was growing this up, this guy just—I bet the people at the White House just want to put him back in the basement and don't let him out. Do you know, by the way? Do you know that yesterday's um, sojourn into Massachusetts, into the Dust Bowl that was—that's his only appearance this week. He had no appearances Monday and Tuesday. He went out yesterday and did that. And he's going to the beach in Delaware, where he got cancer. Yeah. Well, apparently, uh, apparently he's been quite busy, though. <laughs> this is just a joke. Can I just tell you another joke that I saw right before I came in here? Sure. Um, the Democrats are running a commercial about voting Democrat, and they say, if you vote Republican, this and this and this will happen. Guess what it shows? What? The riots that were put on by BLM, yeah. all the mayhem in the background. They said, well, if you vote for Republicans, this is what you'll get. They think we're stupid. Well, they're probably right. I mean, they, if, if they don't win, that's probably how, how they're going to react. But. Oh, my goodness. It's, it's just re- ridiculous. The other thing I wanted to talk about real quick was uh, um, Tucker Carlson's speech in oh. Iowa, which took place last Friday. Thank you for bringing that up. We, um, we watched it in its entirety. Well, it comes in two parts, and it, it was we watched it on Fox Nation because we subscribe to Fox Nation. Yeah. Um, and, and I'm glad we do because, oh, by the way, Turning Point USA, the whole deal from Turning Point is going to be uh, streamed on Fox Nation, Nation which is cool. But um, his speech in Iowa, I don't know about you, but I hung on every word. Absolutely. I, he, he didn't seem to be working from notes. He spoke for, it seemed like, uh, 40 minutes to an hour. Exactly. And uh, his concepts, his thoughts, they were so fabulous. And then he did a question and answer, which was equally impressive. That was the second part that you're referring to. And, uh, you know, I, I just highly recommend it to all of our listeners to uh, to take a look at uh, Tucker Carlson. You can go to uh, Fox Nation. You can also see it on Tucker Carlson. You can see it for free at TuckerCarlson.com. And it's right on the – you go to TuckerCarlson.com, click on it, and the, both the, the speech and the question and answer are there to listen to for free. And, and a couple of friends had listened, and they said – because I, I sent it out to a bunch of people, and they said, oh, my goodness – this was so amazing. I had my husband listen to it, and then I sent it out to a bunch of my friends. This was that amazing. Yeah, and I mean, it was. It hit, believe me, Tucker Carlson, in my opinion, is a gift to all of us. I just so much value his commentary. It's original. It's unique. He is just an outstanding uh, news commentator, 
and uh, just very grateful that he appears at Fox. Hopefully, uh, I mean, his ratings are just amazing. Linda, always appreciate your commentary here on the show. Thank you so much for joining us. Happy to stop by. All right. Thank you, Linda. All right, well, that's a wrap here on today's show. I hope you enjoyed it. We've got some terrific guests for tomorrow's show. William Yateman is research fellow at the Cato Institute. We're talking about what's happening on Capitol Hill. Nicholas Barrett is an entrepreneur and very interesting background. He's come up with an interesting idea for in, in tech, something useful to items that can help us all with our technology. Phil Kirpin is the president of American Commitment. Phil will be joining us as well as Larry Bell, endowed professor at the University of Houston in space architecture. Always appreciate your comments on the show. You can send me an email at bobharden at hotmail.com. I hope you make it a great day on the Paradise Coast or wherever you are. Namaste. Thanks so much for listening to the Bob Harden Show on the Bob Harden Broadcasting Network. For more information and audio files of previous shows, visit www.bobharden.com.